Hi, I'm Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools. In today's edition of Inside Education, I'll interview principals and administrators from a few Mendocino County schools that have been open this year. Let's dig into their experiences. My guests today, for the beginning of the hour, are Mary Leeton Thomas, Principal of St. Mary of Angels Catholic School, Spring Sinercha, Administrator of the Waldorf School of Mendocino County, Jennifer Keetring, Executive Director of Pacific Community Charter School, and Rick Nelson, Principal of Ukiah Junior Academy. Later in the hour, we'll be joined by Becky Walker, Superintendent of Fort Bragg Unified School District, and Deb Cuban, Superintendent of Ukiah Unified School District. So let's get started. All right, what conditions allowed your schools to open to in-person instruction earlier this year? So let's start with um, Mary Leeton Thomas, again, Principal of St. Mary's of the Angels Catholic School. I'm not hearing them. I got it. I, I, I was muted. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, Michelle, that goes back to, you know, really the end of last uh, school year in, in June. And we had an amazing task force that we put together um, to figure out how we could open in um, August. And I think we just really knew we had to honor our mission um, and, and respect our commitment to students and families. So, you know, because aside from a child's home, there truly is no other setting that has more influence on a child's health and well-being. So we had to factor in all the different viewpoints. We had to get the buy-in of the parents, the faculty and students. Um, you know, our mission is to educate the whole child. So all that, you know, was at play. But then we looked at our facility and um, we realized that we had a, a great facility for the um you know, the hygiene and um, safety protocols that we needed to implement. We have large classrooms with windows that open. We have sinks in every classroom. We have individual heating and cooling elements in uh, every classroom, so there's no shared air. Um, you know, so we, we started building around around those, those protocols, you know, and we really did decide that, that we could do it. If we couldn't do it safely, we weren't going to do it. Um, but we had a real strong spirit of cooperation. We had a, a very strong spirit of gratitude among all of our families. And, you know, we're a Catholic school, so I'm telling you, we prayed all the time. <laughs> we, just, we prayed. And by the end of July, we had a document and we submitted it and it was, um, accepted. I mean, and we got the waiver. And so we were able to open on September 3rd with K-6 and then we brought 7 and 8 on board in that when we were in the red in November. So I hope that answered your question, but that's kind of what that's, that was, you know, how we looked at the situation. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you. All right. So let's switch over to the principal of Ukiah Junior Academy, Rick Nelson. Could you explain to us, please, what conditions allowed your school to open to in-person instruction earlier this year? And maybe even share a few of the protocols that you've implemented since reopening. Sure. Uh, my situation was a little bit different in that I moved to Ukiah in July. Um, and so very quickly, we got our school board together. 
Um, we had a giant Zoom meeting with our school board, our parents, our teachers, and I asked the question, you know, how, how badly do we want to open? And the, the consensus was very strongly that we felt this was God's calling for us as well, that we opened for our students, that was what was best for the kids. Um, our teachers were on board, the parents for the most part were on board, and we had the same experience. Um, we had to, to do things quite a bit differently than school is used to doing. Um, and the protocols, you know, I was thinking about that as, as we were discussing this. We've gotten so used to these protocols now that um, I actually have to start thinking about how it's different than it was before. Um, we, we, we have a whole different drop-off uh, protocol, cleaning every day. Um, these kids have learned to wash their hands multiple, multiple times a day. Um, and the people are happy. I mean, we're joyful. Um, the kids come to school happy to be there. And it's a wonderful thing. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. So switching over to one of our charter schools, Spring Sinertia, um, the administrator of the Waldorf School of Mendocino County. Could you explain a little bit about what allowed you to open to in-person instruction earlier this year and also what protocols you've implemented since reopening? Yes, thank you. We are not a charter school. Oh, that's right. You are in school. Correct. I apologize. It's fine. Um, so very similar to St. Mary's, you know, I think our, our working over the summer was very heavily informed by distance learning that we did for all of April and May, which we kind of made the best of. And it had, you know, it had its ups and downs. And then actually in June, we started, we wanted to end the school year. So we found a way to bring students back to, cl- back to campus for one week at a time for a very limited I think they were only here for maybe one or two hours per class, but they came um, for a few days. So they got to end the year with each other. And it was took a lot to get to that point. And back in June, everyone was still sheltered in place. And it was very, we didn't really know exactly how to do it safely or what to do, but we really wanted to try. And it it worked really well for us to have that opportunity to see what works, what's challenging, how do children do with masks, um, what can we do outside? What's the attention span like? Are families going to be comfortable with it? So we had that experience in June. We were able to end our year. And then going into the summer, there was a very strong consensus that our program wasn't going to work well um, if we couldn't be in person. And so we that was really what we were working towards all summer. But there was never any moment when it was clear yes, we'll be able to do that. So all summer we were working kind of concurrent plans, two or three. And then we got to August and our teachers were still saying, um, am I planning for in-person or am I planning for distance? Am I planning for both? Am I planning for hybrid? And parents too, parents were really patient all summer with, you know, we wrote this plan that had contingencies kind of growing in every direction to address what if we have to close down very often when we open due to cases or so we had a task force and our faculty really pulled together. We had tons of meetings. We kept listening to information. We kept talking to parents and um, we're lucky to have a campus where we have outdoor classrooms. We have indoor classrooms and outdoor classrooms. All of our classrooms are ventilated. We have medical grade air purifiers now. So all of these things, 
enable, we have one class that has been outside every day all year and might never go back inside. They really love it. <laughs> um, and everyone else is doing kind of a hybrid indoor outdoor. And we have all the same protocols that everyone has social distancing. Our, our children are far apart from each other. They wear masks, they wash their hands. We have small classes with fewer teachers than usual, although we just extended our day. So we are incorporating a few more teachers in every class at this point. And at first the masking was really hard. Parents were very worried. Um, it felt very strange to everyone, but children honestly did fine from the very get-go. They, they were happy to be here. And, and all of the things that we were the most worried about, the children, when they, as soon as they showed up, they just wanted to be here and they were ready to learn. And that energy really carries us forward. Excellent. Thank you. So Jennifer Keetring from is the executive director of Pacific Community Charter School. And Jennifer, explain to us what conditions allowed your charter school to open to in-person instruction earlier this year and also what protocols you've implemented since reopening. Certainly, Michelle. Um, well, similar to St. Mary, we really uh, were driven by our mission. Uh, part of our school's mission is really embracing real-world experiences, um, getting out into our community, and field studies. They've all been integral parts of our programs. Um, our kindergarten class is a forest kindergarten program that is place-based um, and a couple days a week pre-COVID times was already outdoor classes happening. So when we looked at our mission, we said, so how, how can we fulfill this mission? Can we fulfill this mission through distance learning? Or is there another way that we can do that to bring our students back? So what we opted to do is we also applied for a waiver um, early in the school year for our K through five students. Um, and those are combined classes. We have our TKK class, our one, two class and our three, five class. And so we opted to bring the kids outside, um, similar to what Spring was mentioning at the Waldorf School. We have access to good outside space. Um, it's actually been off-site for our different classes when we've been meeting outdoors. But um, that's proven to be a really safe option for us, one that our community felt comfortable with, our staff felt comfortable with. And we've you know, it's been working really great for us. Um, we actually launched our outdoor learning days with Coastal Cleanup um, towards the end of September. Coastal Cleanup's been something that our school has participated in for the past dozen plus years. And we were really lamenting the fact that this would be the first year that we didn't get to participate in California Coastal Cleanup. And so actually it was really great to be able to launch our outdoor learning days our first second grade class, we met at Moat Creek, one of the local beaches here, um, had protocol in place where, you know, even for doing something like coastal cleanup, we weren't touching anything, we weren't touching one another, facial coverings, distancing, all of those protocols that Rick, Spring, and Mary have mentioned are in place. One protocol that has been actually a little challenging for us, um, our school relies heavily on family participation. It's mm -hmm. at the core of our school, actually, and a really big part of our school spirit. Uh, but we haven't been able to have family participation this year. And even actually as we launched, you know, we had families, oh, 
I'd be happy to come and help and lend a hand and make this easier. And typically we say, yes, we absolutely want you to do that. So that that protocol is different. We're not able to say yes right now because we are maintaining our cohorts. We are limiting the amount of folks who regularly um, you know, intermingle in our cohort. So that's certainly been one change in our protocol. But otherwise, our protocols are certainly following what everyone's mentioned with facial coverings, distancing, hand washing, daily health screenings, etc. And so that's necessary because you have to keep unnecessary adults really off of campus as much as possible, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's an unfortunate consequence of the pandemic for sure. Mm-hmm. So then how has hybrid, the hybrid learning experience been going? What have been the biggest hurdles? What's gone better than expected? And with fewer students, have you had opportunities for new or different types of projects or lessons? Let's start with Mary, from uh, again from St. Mary's of the Angels Catholic School. So, Michelle... If you mean by hybrid, you know, we're on campus five days a week um, till 1230. So, so we, I mean, I, I don't So you know. don't really have hybrid learning at St. Mary's? We don't have hybrid learning. That's so, great. So, yeah, it's, it's really, it's just a shortened day. You know, like you've heard other people say, you know, culturally, it was a big change for us because we can't have parents on campus. Um, we don't, you know, recess is much shorter because we aren't playing sports and all of that. Um so, you know, academically, curriculum minutes-wise, we've gotten those in because, of you know, we, we don't have a, a PE program. We don't have um, assemblies. We don't have, you know, we start every morning with a prayer assembly and, and salute the flag and sing a patriotic song. And, you know, we can't do any of that. We do it through Zoom in, in the classroom, every cohort. But so those are the big changes, um, but not, not in the sense of hybrid. We, we're on campus every day. And so is that the same case for Ukiah Junior Academy as well? Yes, it is. We we have the same uh, dilemma that uh, Mary was talking about. We have chapels on Fridays and and all kinds of activities we just can't do anymore. And again, uh, as was mentioned already, the, the parent volunteers were big in our school. I mean, we've told our parents they can't even get out of their car when they drop the kids off. Um, I stand out there in the parking lot and greet them all. And it's very strange for the parents. And then the same with a pickup. Um, we don't do a hybrid model either. We have schooled full day. And we did have some families that were a little nervous about starting school in person. And so we did offer what we called kind of a homeschool option where we could, the teacher would Zoom while they're teaching, which was very strange and, and very hard to do, uh, send some paperwork and send some work. Um, but most of those parents have trickled in over the course of the year. Um, at the moment, I think we have two families only that are still trying to do the the homeschool option and Zooming while the classroom is going on. Yeah, Rick, we do have a blended program like that, too, where we have online students in the classroom and on-campus students. Right. Yeah, but we call that more of a blended. More of a blended than a hybrid. Okay. But not really a hybrid, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then let's go to a different question. Walk us through a typical day. Tell me a little bit about arrival, what that that new arrival procedure looks like. Are you serving meals? And basically, tell tell us a little bit about that. And again, starting with Mary. Okay. Um, Well, again, we I'm in the parking lot every morning, and I greet 
parents. Um, and like Rick said, they can't get out of the car. And we, we sent a map of if they drive in off of Oak Street, they stop and drop off here. And if they drive in off of Dora, they stop at a different place. Um, and then every child's temperature is taken and we do a health screening. They, they sign up to do one at home and then we do it again at the gate. And on each gate, we've got great big posters that, that ask the kids the questions also. And so we're always saying, hi, honey, how are you feeling? Do you have a headache or a sore throat? Do you have an um, upset stomach or a cough? And, and off they go. Um, and then for the first couple of weeks, we had, um, again, it wasn't parent volunteers. It was our aides and, and um, that would show the children which path to take. So first and second take go into one door, third and fourth go into another door, fifth and sixth go into the third door, and seventh and eighth go into the fourth door. So that protects the cohorts so that we're always trying to keep kids, you know, not mixing. Um, you know, and that, again, once kids got used to it, it was no big deal. You know, we were very concerned. So we had lots of signage. We had lots of, like I said, the aides were all out there, the front desk was out. We had finance out there. You know, all the staff was out there guiding these kids. And once they got it, they got it. And then the first thing they do in the classroom is they wash their hands. Um, and we have a whole thing set up with touchless soap and touchless paper towels. And it's, it, you know, it's just down to a science how they, you know, wash their hands for 20 seconds. And, um, and then the day starts. Like I said, we do a Zoom um, prayer at the beginning and um, Pledge of Allegiance. And But that's basically in third grade and up, K-1-2. They, they do their own little morning assembly. Um, and then they're in the classroom. And we have teachers that move into the classroom. You know, their desks are all spread. They all have their own set of supplies. A lot of them have a little envelope on the side of their desk where they all their papers for the week are. And then when they finish their worksheets they go back in that envelope and then the teacher uh, collects it at the end of the week um just to avoid a lot of paper touching um yeah so it it all it um and again i think like like rick was saying we kids are really focused on what they get to do and not what they don't get to do and we were worried about again culturally changing that so that they made so that they did have this appreciation and, and gratitude and and they do they do they are just so happy to be there. And so the, the Spanish teacher comes into the classroom, the computer teacher rolls a cart into the classroom. Uh, we do have a gardening program outside so they can go outside for gardening. But, um, and then K-1-2 are outside twice a day for a little snack break for 10 minute breaks. And, you know, we divided the playground. We have a, a literally painted a red line down the middle of the playground. So one cohort's on one side of the red line and other cohorts on the other side. And then we have a field so we can have three cohorts out and, and they, you know, and then they come back in and three others go out and they come back in and three others go out. So it's, you know, once we got it down, it's like going through your first day procedures as a teacher. Once they get it, they get it. They know which bathroom to go to. They can't walk down the hallway. They have to go around outside and come in the door. And, and now they, they all do it. And at the end of the day, um, we have we sent out a map again to the parking lot and parents know where to park. You know, kinders are parking farthest away. So because they go out first and they walk all the way down to the end of the parking lot. And then the first grade parents park in the next bay and the first grade comes out. Teachers are escorting them. And, and like Rick said, no parents can get out of their cars. And 
um, you know, all that gathering that they used to do at the end of the day, waiting for their kids, all that's, all that's changed. But our parents have been so supportive and so um, appreciative of, of, of what we're doing and, and glad that we're open. And, you know, so that's in eighth grade is the last ones to come out and their parents are parked right at the fence and everybody hops in their cars and it takes 10 minutes. I mean, I think in some ways it's, it's, it's a remarkable policy because it only takes 10 minutes for everybody to, to pick up their kids and leave. That's great. So in, how, a nutshell, in a nutshell, that's our day. And how do the teachers feel about that new policy? They like it. I they bet like they do. It. Yeah. People, you know, again, to protect the cohorts, we have, you know, four or five teachers that actually have students on campus with us. And so their students can't come into their classrooms because, you know, they don't, they're not that grade level. So everybody really goes home and does a lot from home and they do office hours um, from home on Zoom. We have a couple of math classes. We have a geometry class for eighth grade, six of our eighth graders, and they do that at 1.30 in the afternoon. Um, so there is a little bit of online instruction that goes on in the afternoons um, and some study halls and some tutoring and, and things like that. Um, but basically at, by 12.30, everybody, you know, the teachers are gone and it's just finance and myself and the front desk that are, that are still on campus. Excellent. You're listening to Mary Leeton Thomas, who is the um, principal of St. Mary's of the Angels Catholic School. This is Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools. We're in the middle of inside education where we're listening to administrators who have had their schools open really since the beginning of the school year. So let's take that same question. Um, walk us through a typical day, Rick Nelson, from the Ukiah Junior Academy. Tell us a little bit about what your typical day looks like. Well, it's going to sound a lot like what we just heard. Um, our parents pull into the parking lot. Um, we have designated areas outside where kids um, wait for, um, for the classes to begin. Uh, distanced from each other in different cohorts. Um, our school, um, we don't have any hallways. We all have, we have breezeways and every, every classroom doors open to the outside. Mm -hmm. So we don't have the issue with the hallways that uh, Mary has. Um, at, at a designated time, the, the teachers escort through different paths to the classroom. Uh, temperatures are taken, um, symptoms are checked. Uh, immediately on them entering the classroom, they, they wash their hands. Um, we've instituted a, a protocol where every time a student enters and exits the classroom, they wash their hands. Right. Um, and we have, we've had to juggle our, our recess time so that every cohort has a playground for a certain amount of time. Um, and then they're switched, so we have to be very... Um, you know, almost anal about our recess time and everything. Uh, and we stay for the whole um, day. So our students, um, they eat lunch at school. Um, we have had to tell them that, you know, in the past, microwaves have been available for students to use. They're no longer available. Um, we, uh, the typical um, lunchtime at many elementary schools, there's a lot of food sharing. And so we've had to say that you can't do that anymore. No food sharing. Uh, so you got to stay apart while you're eating. And most of the time we can have them eat outside on our playground, on our picnic tables. Um, uh, that works really well. Um, the end of our day, 
is very similar. Um, parents pull into the parking lot. Every teacher is still in the classroom. We have walkie-talkies. Um, we often have multiple kids in multiple classrooms. Um, and so when a parent pulls up, um, I have a list in the parking lot. I, I circle their names when they arrive. And when three o'clock rolls around, that's when I start calling names down and they all exit their, their designated paths and go to their cars and jump in and, and leave. And it's very efficient. The one negative that has been, a, I think, I'm looking, when, I'm looking forward to this not having to be the case. It's really hard to develop a sense of community when you don't have any physical connection with the parents. Um, my wife also teaches here. She's the first grade teacher. Um, she doesn't know any of the parents. She doesn't know any of the families. It's sort of a lonely existence for her because her only contact with parents is through texting or, or on the phone. Um, I have an advantage. I get to see them in the parking lot every day. Um, but as Mary said, there's joy at the school because they get to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there's real joy. Thank you. That was Rick Nelson, again, executive, um, sorry, the principal of Ukiah Junior Academy. So now let's talk with Spring Sinertia, um, administrator of the Waldorf School of Mendocino County. Spring, walk us through a typical day at your school. What's arrival like? Are you serving any meals? Tell us a little bit about what's going on at the Waldorf School. It's similar. Um, we have three entry points to our school. So our early childhood students are, arrive at two separate times in their parking lot. Our grades, our lower grades enter through a third, another parking lot, and then our upper grades come in a different entrance. And so we have three different sets of staff doing health checks in cars at all of those areas. So it's pretty quick. I think everybody's on campus in 10 or 15 minutes and gets right to their day. Um, you know, similar hygiene practices and things like that. We don't have a lunch program, although we do sometimes do um, hot lunch as a fundraiser. That's not happening this year for those classes. So everybody brings their lunch. We mostly eat outside. There's a few exceptions to that, but largely eating is done outside. Um, we are here all day. This was the first week that we extended our day Tuesday through Thursday. Um, so we have, um, that's new. And it's going, it's going well. Um, and we do have an after-school program because we do have lots of families, obviously, who are going to work and they're not done until 5 o'clock. So we've been able to offer that to a very kind of limited cohort, different than in years past. We have a grades aftercare and an early childhood aftercare. So those students are on campus later in the day. And then the reverse is true when everyone's leaving and, um, you know, people exit through their designated exits. We have some students who take the MTA bus from Willits to and from, and that's been going smoothly for them. Um, there was something, we do have staggered schedule on the, on the playground and in different areas in our gardening program and on the unicycles, students take turns and we sanitize them in between and things like that. Excellent. Thank you. So we just heard again from Spring Sinertia, Administrator of the Waldorf School of Mendocino County. So Jennifer Keetring is the Executive Director of Pacific Community Charter School. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about what a typical day at your school looks like when kids are present for in-person instruction. 
Well, again, we are focusing our in-person instruction with our outdoor learning days, and those are happening off-site. So our days look a little bit different than what Rick and Spring and Mary have described. Um, our first and second graders and then our third through fifth graders, they've been meeting for their in-person days at Windy Hollow Farm, and they meet on different days. Um, and so whenever they show up, um, parents drive up, students are dropped off. Each student has a health screening checklist that they have copies of beforehand. So everyone turns in their health screening checklist. I'm out there to greet them. And we also have our farm dog, Jack, who is always there to greet everybody. So that is always fun. <laughs> um, he follows protocols best he can. <laughs> um, and so after drop off, the students gather up, they go down to their meeting spot and then they're just rotating through their different, some of their academic time, some of their garden time, the, you know, some play time, um, rotating through those activities. They are typically having a meal that they bring their own food. As Rick mentioned, the not sharing of food has been something we've had to stress, which again, this is one of those protocols that has been Difficult just in the sense of we've spent so long talking about sharing. Sharing is caring and we share and all of a sudden we don't share. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've, the students have been able to respond to that. And they're again, they're outside. So they're eating distance um, outside whenever they are having mealtime. And then at pickup time, students gather all their stuff up. They walk out to the parking area meet their families and they're off for the day. Excellent. And that was Jennifer Keetring, the executive director of the Pacific Community Charter School. You're listening to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. I'm Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools. You're listening to Inside Education, and today I'm interviewing for um, administrators right now on their experiences on how school has opened. Soon joining us will be um, Deb Cuban and Becky Walker from Ukiah Unified and Fort Bragg Unified School District. Um, so again, Mary Spring, Jennifer and Rick, have either of you had any situations where staff or students have tested positive for COVID this year? And if so, tell us how that was handled. I can speak to that. Yes. Um, we did have, um, we have had a student and we have had a couple of staff people who tested positive in separate unrelated incidences. And of course we were very nervous, you know, leading up to that moment of would, would that happen? And if it did, then what would happen? Um, because we have all of these precautions in place, but you never really know until it happens, will they work? Um, and we were super relieved and pleased to find out that they did work. So we didn't have any transmission um, either in our staff um, cases or in our student cases. And students, uh, the students and staff, um, all, most of them happened through surveillance testing. So they were not symptomatic. Um, and, and the timing of it, one of them was around Christmas break. Um, so just the timing of it also was helpful to us, but we do, you know, we have protocols if someone's symptomatic or if there's really great guidelines from the county public health office, what to do 
in many, many different scenarios that's very specific, that's very supportive to, to me, I find I know exactly what to tell parents. I know what to tell the other parents in the class. I know when to tell them. I know when they can come back to school. So we're not having to be public health experts. We're just getting the guidance from people who study that and then putting it in place. And we've been happy to see that um, that has created a safe learning environment. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Have any others have have any other of you had students or staff test positive for COVID-19? Well, Michelle, we, we had a student also test positive, no faculty or staff, but a, but a student. And like Spring said, it was a huge relief to already have established the protocols. Public health was amazing. Um, a support the family um, of the student was very supportive. Um, you know, it really is good proof that the protocols work because nobody else in the class um, tested positive and they all went down. We used OptumServe. They all went to OptumServe and, well, I would say 90% of them and their families. Um, and we have a liaison. We have a school liaison to public health. And the um, like Spring was saying, the fact that parents could call her and she's a nurse and, and she's a parent at St. Mary's and she could give them advice that was, you know, science and, and health advice and not, um, and that was a huge help. So we found public health to be a big help to us um, and, and our own protocols being already predetermined and written up that we just had to follow those. And, and it worked. There was no spread. That's excellent to hear. Thank you for reassuring us that the protocols put forth by public health work. Yep. It is, they do. Yeah. They do. We had, we've not had any parents or, or no teachers or students test positive. I've had a, a parent test positive. And a, and a separate incident, another parent who works at a, a care facility where there was an outbreak. But our parents have been really careful. Um, we have found that our parents, when their kids are sick and we've asked them to keep them home, they keep them home. Um, and the, the parent who tested positive, they those children quarantined with their parent for two full weeks, uh, got tested again uh, before they came back. So our parents have been very good. It's been very helpful. You know, typically at a school, you complain because parents send their kids to school sick. Um, it's almost the opposite yeah. now. Yeah. So then tell me what advice do you have for other administrators in the county as they prepare to reopen their schools? Rick, you got some advice for him? This again, this is Rick Nelson, um, principal of Ukiah Junior Academy. Um, man, uh, we are such a small school. I can't imagine having a large school trying to open. Um, so I would be very reluctant to give advice other than do what you can, follow the steps, um, and strive your hardest to get those kids back. Um, that's what's best for the kids. Thank you. How about you, Mary? Well, basically the same thing. I think, um, you know, we kids are amazingly resilient. Parents are remarkably supportive. Um, and I, I think, you know, just looking, you know, walking through your day and looking at all the little details. I mean, like one thing we had to do is we uh, didn't want kids standing in line at a pencil sharpener. So now we have uh, mechanical pencils for everybody. I mean, little things like that. Where So now you don't have a, a pencil sharpener line. And so 
sometimes when you get down to little things like that, it can be reassuring to the teachers and the families that, that we really do know what we're doing. But, but like Rick said, I'm, I'm grateful to be part of a small school and, you know, Deb and Becky, you know, more power to you. You guys are doing amazing things. So truly just hang in there. So what about you? Uh, so just for our listeners, um, that was Mary Leeton Thomas, the principal of St. Mary of Angels Catholic School. We also have two administrators, our administrator of the Waldorf School at Mendocino County, Spring Sinertia, and Jennifer Keetring, our executive director of Pacific Community Charter School. And I shoot the same question to both of you. What advice do you have for other administrators as they prepare to reopen their schools? Well, this is Jennifer with the Pacific Community Charter School, and I would echo what Rick and Mary both said, that we're a very small school as well, and offering advice is always, can be a little wary of that. But one thing that, you know, we've really relied on is open communication with our staff and with our families. We've been, we've tried our best to be really inclusive in decision-making with both our staff and families and being transparent in that process. I think that that's been really helpful in identifying priorities and comfort levels with where everyone's at to meet folks where they are. And simultaneously, we've also really asked our school community for their understanding and patience as we move forward. You know, typically we can be relied upon to be the quote unquote experts in directions that we're heading, but we're all figuring this out together. And so we've certainly put the appeal out there that let's be empathetic and compassionate with one another as we figure this out so that we can do what's best um, for our students, for our staff, for our community, and keeping everyone health, healthy and safe. So. Thank you. And what about you, Spring, from the Waldorf School in Mendocino County? Well, um, similar. I have similar things. And maybe, maybe I can't offer you advice because I think you're both doing... I'm sure all of the things you can be doing, but maybe more just encouragement of how important, how valuable it is, which I'm sure you also know. But um, I got a little note from a student the other day who said, it's really fun doing cross-stitch and unicycling and laughing together. This was their comment. I w their teacher was asking them about what are they happy about coming back to school and just as your teachers start seeing that and getting that feedback from their students, I think it will grow into, you know, being able to offer more of it. And then I think the other thing that I, that we tried to think about was if we're back on campus for a limited time, because we didn't know how much we would be here or how long we'd get to be here, we really tried to think about what was the most important thing for students to be getting. Um, what could we not do over Zoom and what were students really so needing at this time so prioritizing that um so that's what i would yeah share with you and just thank you thank you to both of you for bringing yeah. so many more students back to school that's wonderful thank you very much so this is KZYX and Z, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willix and Ukiah 91.5 FM. I'm Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools, and this is Inside Education. Now that we've heard from schools that have been doing this for a while, let's hear from our two biggest school districts that are just embarking on this reopening to in-person instruction adventure. 
Deborah Cuban, our superintendent of Ukiah Unified School District, and Becky Walker, the superintendent of Fort Bragg Unified School District. Thank you for being here today, superintendents. And if you would for me, explain what conditions are allowing you to reopen your schools. And let's start with Ms. Cuban. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for having me. And I can't tell you how excited I am because last week we welcomed some of our students back on campus after a long 11 months. And I want to thank Mary from St. Mary's because at some point in the fall, I actually called her and asked her, you know, what are the what are the key things that you've learned by being open? And some of her words really helped us as we created our safety plan. So um, we welcomed back um, our preschool students through grade two last week. Um, and, and again, we're still offering distance learning for families who are not ready to have their kids back yet. Um, and then all of our um, special day class students, ages 3 through 22, as well as our um, our Eagle Peak 5th grade and Palmolita 6th grade. And then this week we are back preschool through grade 6. And so we have about, um, about uh, 1,900, close to 1,900 students back on campus this week or as of last week. And we are so happy to see their smiling faces. A couple of our students and their parents shared that, uh, you know, kindergartners, it was the best day ever. And I have to say last Tuesday was my best day ever in a long time, um, seeing our first bus roll out of the transportation yard to go pick up um, the 23 kids that can now fit on that bus instead of 70. So um, it has been a lovely time back. Um, and what, what conditions, we've been working on our reopening since May. Um, we had to submit our safety plan to public health and to the state, state safe schools for all team. Those plans were approved and um, that coupled with the local health conditions with our case rates allowed us to bring um, those students back. And as our numbers drop, it's really exciting to know that soon we will be able to also bring our students in grades 7 through 12 back. Um, we're hoping to do that as soon as we possibly can, and we are ready for it. And um, I just, I'm, when, you, when you've spent 20 some odd years in education and you can't actually serve kids in person, it's really heartbreaking. And so having, seeing those uh, smiling eyes last week was really great. I can't, I can't agree more. So Tell me a little bit, Deb, if you would, uh, Ms. Cuban, Superintendent Cuban, um, about some of the protocols that you've had to implement. What's changed in your schools? How does it look different? Um, we have spent since May acquiring what we have needed to acquire to reopen. So we've purchased over 400 HEPA air filtration systems that go in every classroom. Um, we have 45,000 surgical masks. Uh, thousands of gallons of hand sanitizer, you know, everything that we've needed to do, plexiglass barriers um, that, that we have needed to do to, um, to create the conditions on those campuses that, that allow for physical distancing and, and all of the safety protocols. We've also replaced every hand uh, touch, uh, touch faucet with touchless faucets across the entire district. And we serve over 6,000 students. So it's our maintenance team has been incredible. Um, getting all that done. And um, so that's certainly different. 
And I would I would agree with our um, charter school and private school colleagues about um, kids are super resilient. Uh, their ability to to wear a mask to come to school and follow all the guidelines and the physical distancing is just incredible. I'm always impressed by our students and the parents are so excited to have their students back in school as well. So um, we are doing a hybrid model because we, we, we need to make sure that we're adhering to that physical distancing. So we have our students divided in half. So they're actually coming to school two half days a week from eight to eight to noon each day. And um, Wednesday is a 100% distance learning in our district. And then on Thursday and Friday, the B, the B group comes. And then the kids who are on distance learning get served in the afternoon through distance learning. So um, we are, uh, that's how we're handling it to make sure that we have the physical distancing um, requirements. Um, as we reopen our middle schools, uh, we have our, our middle school students in um pods in one pod and the teachers are actually rotating through the classrooms rather than having the kids change classes. And, and so that's kind of what it looks like. Um, we are not yet doing lunch on campus, but the kids are super happy to, to see their, um, to see their teachers. And I have to say our teachers have done a terrific job in distance learning. It's just not the same as uh, being in person with the teacher. And so again, we're super excited to have have the kids back but that's that's how it's different it's a little bit different um and uh and our goal has been to offer our students as much as we can as soon as we can excellent so for our listeners this is deb cuban superintendent of ukiah unified school district sharing with you the reopening process for her schools in ukiah unified so let's hear from becky walker in fort bragg unified um, Becky, can you tell me a little bit about what conditions are allowing you to open your schools to in-person instruction and what sort of protocols you've implemented since reopening? So the, the main criteria for us to reopen is the CDPH um, guidance and the governor relaxing the conditions for us to reopen. So we are still in the purple tier in Mendocino County, but because we are not in the um, we're still in deep purple, um, but we're moving now into purple, which is great, and we are hoping to be into red very soon. So, so that's why we're back. Um, what conditions have allowed us to reopen? Pretty much I could reiterate the majority of what Deb Cuban had said in regards to Ukiah Unified, getting all the conditions in place so that um, our staff, our teachers, our families, our students that feel safe and know that they're ready to go. What's difficult with COVID this entire time is that the the target has been shifting and changing. And so trying to navigate this with new information and new science, and it's it's been a real struggle. What I can tell you is that all of us as educators and school personnel, uh, we really have stepped up to the plate and created an environment so that our kids can still continue to learn. So hats off to our teachers and to our staff. So with that said, what are the protocols? Um, I can reiterate all the protocols that all of you said. It's not as if there is something new or some magic um, wand out there that makes any of us different. We are all adhering to the same protocols with um, maintaining physical distancing, uh, practicing good, healthy hand hygiene, masking all the time. So um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the protocols just because I'm not going to give you anything new. Anything different than what Ukiah Unified is doing? Correct. Or, or any of the charters or any of the able to hear yeah. some of that. 
um, very quickly. The, the one thing that we do have um, is that we do have uh, these victory sprayers that are cleaning our rooms. It uh, takes about one minute to, um, the, the product kills COVID in a minute. So it's, uh, we spray our classrooms. It takes about two minutes to spray a classroom. It's a hydrogen peroxide based um, product. So it's uh, not super chemically, uh, that's a word. And um, that has actually helped us so that if a teacher or if a staff member says, you know what, we just moved a kiddo who was symptomatic over to our, our medical room. Can, can we just go ahead and have the custodian come in and spray, please? It is incredibly quick, super efficient, 60 seconds, um, you're out. And again, hydrogen uh, peroxide based. So that's the other component that we've added into our cleaning so that we can do that at any time, anywhere. And we also have handheld ones for our buses so that our bus drivers can do the spraying um, in between kiddos as well. So that's, that, that's the main difference for us. All right, so let's switch topics just a little bit. Tell me a little bit about how experiencing a pandemic changed your pers perspective on being an educator. What's the value of in-person instruction, academic, social, emotional? Tell me a little bit about your feelings on that. Let's start with Becky, if we, or actually let's go with Deb, because I, um, I know Superintendent Cuban, you have to leave a little early from our interview today. So if you'd share with us, please. Oh, gosh, it's changed my perspective so much. I also have um, three of my own teenagers in my household. I have two kids who are freshmen and a junior at Ukiah High School, and I certainly have seen a lot through their eyes as well and their friends. Um, I, I, uh, I made a commitment a long time ago to kids and um, have spent my entire career uh, dedicating um my life to trying to help make experiences for kids um, great. And so um, it's been really difficult to watch this um, the, the last 11 months. Um, and we have incredible caring educators serving our students. And I still know that um, kids struggle. And so that has been very hard to watch. Um, I feel major urgency with getting our students back in person in front of students. And it's been difficult to not be able to make that happen for very obvious reasons related to health and safety. Um, so I think I've also learned that uh, in this community, we can do anything we set our minds to. Um, we have dealt with so many crises in our community for the past three years, not just this pandemic, but wildfires, smoke, um, and I think we're an incredibly resilient community. And I think through all those relationships that have been developed along the way through those crises, uh, it really helped us with this. And I'll use the vaccination example um, as, as an example. Um, you know, our, our county uh, within the tier system and tier structure prioritized vaccinating our educators. And I'm grateful to the city of Ukiah, to the county public health, to the county of Mendocino, to MCOE for prioritizing us. I think that helped get our staff back into the classroom safely. And, uh, and, um, and I, I, I have certainly not just in that area, but other areas been a strong advocate for um, just doing everything possible that we can get our student, get our students back to class. So it's definitely changed my perspective. And as I mentioned, having teens in my household, um, periodically over the years, they and their friends try to lobby me to um, close our schools 
because it's flooding or for whatever reason. And I've had several of them say to me that they promise they will never say that to me again in their school careers because I think they've all realized the value of, um, of the education that they're getting and that social connection that they have at school. So um, I certainly value it. And, um, and again, seeing those kids last week um, is, is, uh, was just monumental. And I, I do feel like we can really do anything as a community when we work together and put our minds together. We've served over 2 million meals in our community, uh, 2.2 million. Our food service staff has been out there every Wednesday since March, um, serving our community in that way as well. And uh, and I, I just feel like together we really can do anything. And I knew that before, but I know it even more now. Um, and I really look forward to the day that we can get all of our kids back in person full time. Um, we know we, we've learned a lot of great things during this as well. Some things that we'll do differently in education, I think, um, as we've learned through this pandemic. Thank you. And again, this is Deb Cuban, UK Unified Superintendent of Schools. So Becky Walker, Fort Bragg Unified School Superintendent of Schools. Um, tell us, how has experiencing a pandemic changed your perspective on being an educator? You know, I truly believe that there's always a silver lining behind any challenge that we face. What's been remarkable about this particular challenge, it has forced us to reimagine education. Education is just is not a one-size-fits-all approach. During this pandemic, we've watched some of our kids completely thrive in an online environment, and it's taught us that we have to address that ability for those children, those kiddos, to continue to thrive. We've had students who have um, completely imploded because of the pandemic. And it reminds us that nothing can replace that in-person magic of your teacher being right there and giving you that love and support in person. So there are many facets to this. And I think one of the biggest things that we need to do as educators is we have to look at the lessons that we've learned from this pandemic and absolutely 100% reimagine how we deliver education to our children. And I am truly hopeful that the California Department of Education will look at these lessons and allow us some flexibility in how we provide that education to our kids. Um, oftentimes, CDE comes in and says this one size fits all. You know, like right now, we have a 10% cap on independent study. That needs to be shattered. That needs to be shattered. We need to reimagine what independent study is. We need to reimagine what online learning looks like. We need to support our teachers with the tools and the resources they need to help the learning loss mitigation and not wait for a pandemic to give our schools, and Fort Bragg is one of them, our Fort Bragg schools, we are 80% socioeconomically disadvantaged, and we are now just getting the level of resources that we need in order to pull off huge levels of learning loss. Um, so these are the things that the pandemic has taught us. I am incredibly hopeful for us as a nation, as a state, as a community of educators, for us to come together and say, this is our time. We are going to reimagine education. We are going to do this differently. And we're going to look to our legislature to be bold and brave and allow us to do the good things that we continue to do. Thank you, Becky Walker, Fort Bragg Unified School District. All right, I've got a last question for you, Ms. Walker. Tell me, knowing what you know now, what advice would you have given yourself at this time last year? 
good thing we're on the radio and I'm going to be professional. <laughs> um, th- this pandemic has really taxed any, any person in education, whether you are a custodian, whether you are a secretary, a bus driver, a teacher, an instructional aide, an administrator. Um, we have learned that this entire 11 months, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place. If there's a question that you want to ask, there are 8,000 opinions to that question. Uh, there is no majority on anything. And everyone, every time, somewhere is wrong. So the good news is, is that we have all acquired thicker, tougher skin. Um, but the resolve has been very clear. It's always been about what's best for children, what's best for the safety of our families. And as we move forward, if I had to to give anybody advice going into education, stick to that laser-focused resolve. Ask yourself every day, is what I'm doing best for the children I am serving? And if you can stick to that resolve and you can... and take every decision you make with is what I'm doing best for children. If you can stick to that mantra, then the decision-making becomes clearer. So the pandemic has taught us many, many things, and I feel blessed and fortunate to still be standing, to be quite honest with you. Um, It's not been easy, but I have to say, when we started school on Monday and we had our first kindergartners back, It took everything in my power not to have my mask soaked with tears because it was truly incredibly beautiful to watch our kindergarten teachers meeting with our kindergartners face to face for the first time. And you could see the love and the excitement. And I thought, okay, this is why we did this. This is why we do this. And um, I, I can't gush any more than I am right now about how wonderful and beautiful it is to see our kiddos on campus. So thank you for the opportunity to be able to share that. Becky Walker, Fort Bragg Unified School District. Thank you, Becky, for sharing that. That was beautifully said. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.